Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's our lead pastor, Matthew Malik. Good morning, everyone. My name is Pastor Matt Malik, and I am the lead pastor here. We got great sound people that take care of all that feedback. I'm confident of that. Yeah, so we have a panel this morning, and as we get started. Oh, I thought it was the other way. Okay, come on this side, Glenn. We can do that. We can do this. I was going from right to left rather than left to right, but you know how that goes. So, yeah, um, what we want to do in this series of tough talks, we're addressing some of these issues sometimes that the church doesn't really want to even talk about. But, you know, we have to because there's a hurting world out there and, and we can make a difference. Uh, the church, I believe, is salt and light for this earth to really make meaningful change to the culture that we live in right now. And uh, I, I just want to start with a word of prayer. And, and uh, you've noticed the flags are half staff this morning. Uh, that's to honor uh, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who passed away at the age of 87 last yesterday. And so in respect to her and serving this country, we just want to uh, honor her that way. But we know that uh, God is here right now, and we want to just join our faith as, as we look to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful today to gather. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to hear truth that can be impactful in our lives. And Father, we just thank you that in our nation today, that we look to you to bring healing and hope and restoration. Father, we thank you. And Father, uh, we, we believe that you're going to do something significant in our lives today. And we give you praise and glory for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So what I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to let my wife say something you want to? This is, this is my wife, by the way, for those of you that are visiting. And can everyone see me? Maybe I need to put my chair back here a little bit. Um, is this a little better? Okay. Yeah. I, I just don't, don't want you to be obstructed by tables or other things. All right. We're dealing with that. Okay. So good morning, everyone. How are you today? We're going to do something like, there we go. <laughs> so good morning. This is fun, isn't it? <laughs> so like Pastor Matt shared and Michaela shared, talking about the mental health crisis in our nation, what really is mental health? And is anxiety really anxiety? Or is it just everyday life and its pressures? Because that's real too, right? And so those are the kinds of things we want to talk about. And, and something, you know, as we were planning for this that I thought about is perception. Like, Matt and I can be in the room and see the very same thing, and what he gets out of what we saw could be completely different than me, right? But my perception is real, even though he thinks his is. <laughs> no, his is too, to him. And so, again, that's part of 
our mental health and part of perspectives and perceptions and all those kinds of things. And so we're going to talk a little bit about those and real life experiences that people have had. And so we are going to... Well, let me uh, define what mental health is. If, how many of you use Google? Well, this is actually the, uh, a government national organization that defines it this way. Mental health includes our emotional, physiological, and social well-being. It affects how we think, feel, and act. It also helps determine how we handle stress, relate to others, and make choices. Mental health is important at every stage of life from childhood and adolescence through adulthood, okay? And so, and there is a mental health crisis in the nation today. And, and before we introduce these guys, I want you to look at a scripture, Luke 21, verses 25 through 27. And in this passage, Jesus is actually addressing end times in last days. And and I believe that we're living in the last days um, uh, in perspective when we look at uh, what's happening in, in history and culture and presently. And Jesus is speaking, and he said, And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Verse 26, Men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. So this is in reference to the end times, but we see this really being played out in culture today. Yet Jesus said in John 14, 1, Let not your heart be troubled, Believe in God, believe also in me. And it's interesting because even further on in John 14, Jesus said in verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so that's, that's kind of like the prefix of what we're going to talk about. We have that scriptural foundation that uh, we lay here as we get started. Um, First, we're going to have Glenn Zipper introduce himself. And Glenn has been a friend of this ministry for years. When we first began, when we were Good News Fellowship Church back in 1984 and 85, uh, he was part of the church at that time, moved away to Sheboygan area, and he's going to tell you a little bit about his background, his testimony and that. But Glenn Zipper is a licensed clinical social worker with Aspirus, and we're so glad to welcome him with us today. So, Glenn, why don't you just share uh, your background, a little bit of your testimony, and then we're going to hear from Krista. Well, thank you for that introduction, and uh, it's great to be a part of the Refuge family. I mean, that's what we're doing right now. We're having a conversation, and God's right here with us in this conversation. Uh, speaking of childhood, uh, just a, a little bit of my background, um, my testimony I'm going to share uh, with you a little bit uh, is going to, I think, bring some awareness to how, you know, the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And but we know that Christ came that we might have life and have it abundantly. So I'm here today by God's grace. Uh, by God's grace, he's delivered me from the attacks of the enemy. 
And uh, I can stand before you today uh, knowing that it's God who has resurrected my life. And I'm so grateful for that. So grateful for that. Um, so I've worked uh, in my family is where I began, learning a work ethic, doing chores. I uh, worked for my grandfather on the farm. Uh, worked for a neighbor farmer down the road. Uh, worked in factories and uh, worked in foundries. Worked uh, in the fields for canning companies. Did commercial roofing and construction as I was going through school. And uh, went on. And I've been in the uh, counseling profession about 36 years. Uh, managing group homes for the developmentally disabled. Uh, for people who have substance abuse problems. Also worked in inpatient facilities and uh, outpatient clinics and worked uh, for the Ozaki County Sheriff's Department for about 25 years, uh, providing uh, good news into, into the uh, environment that's so desperate for hope. And uh, whether that's an incarceration where a person is in prison or jail, or whether it's someone who's in prison in their heart in the moment, and in a prison at this time, God wants to set us free from that. And uh, he's in the business of doing that. So right now I work for Aspirus Hospital. And I'm so happy to be there, a great company to work with. And I love their mission statement, which is to heal people, uh, promote health and well-being, and to, to build strength in the community. Um, my testimony begin, I guess, to begin in the beginning. Let's go to Genesis. That's a good place to begin. Um, but as a child, I was in a home where uh, there was oppression. My dad uh, was an alcoholic, and there just was a boundary there to talk about what I thought and what I felt. I'm in the third grade. I still remember it because I can remember um, Mrs. Simmons, my third grade teacher. But during that time in my life, there was a very strong emphasis on cancer, so there was a lot of uh, discussions and education and uh, promoting here are the signs, here are the symptoms. And uh, as a third grader sitting in my class, I listened to all of this, and I had a cyst in my chest, and I heard the symptoms of cancer, and one of the symptoms is a lump in your breast. As a small child in an environment that was groomed to not talk about what I think or what I feel, the devil gave me a lie, and I had no place to go with that. I internalized that and believed that I was going to die from cancer. Now, you would think that would have been an eye-opener. And instead, for me, it, my perspective was talking about perceptions. I'm just going to live my life and experience everything I can. So instead of getting my life in order to prepare for death, I was on a different path. In the words of Paul, I became the worst of sinners. Now, the only thing I cared about in life was wrestling. I loved to wrestle. Part of that was inside there was rejection. There was anger. Uh, the, you know, when, when that happens, adrenaline kicks in. The stress response kicks in. And wrestling was a great outlet for that. Um, for those of you that maybe struggle academically or maybe right now you're wondering, should you continue on with your education? And I had a D average in high school, but somehow by the grace of God, uh, I was able to go to Northern Michigan University. So I get up to Northern Michigan University. I'm wrestling up there, and uh, there's a man up there by the name of John Hitler. 
He's from downstate Michigan, and he's a senior on the team. His picture has been in Sports Illustrated. Uh, very uh, intimidating kind of a person, and no one would room with him because in his room, he was into dendrology. His room was like a greenhouse. There were bugs. There were plantings. There was soil. There was dirt. Kind of a messy area. He asked me, I'm the freshman on the team, would you, would you room with me? And, of course, I'm not going to turn him down. He's the captain of the team, and I was in an awe and respect of him. I said, sure. Well, uh, God began to work through that relationship because John Hitler was a believer. He was a Christian. And after wrestling practice, he would say, well, he says, I'm pretty tired. Uh, and I was on the top bunk, and he was on the bottom bunk. And he'd say, well, would you read the Bible to me? Okay. So I started reading the Bible and throw the Bible back down, and we had this exchange going on. And then he'd say, well, now read the Bible. Read it like you really mean it. I'd start to read it. That word began to impact my heart, began to impact how I thought, what I felt. I began to examine my life, and it began to change me. Now, I had a long uh, history of learning that in my family, the use of alcohol was normal. So I got into the use of alcohol and other drugs and things like that, and uh, I started to be under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and I, the Lord spoke to me. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, I really need to change. I can't be living like this anymore. So I decided, well, I'm just going to quit. Well, I didn't know that I was addicted. So up in my dorm room, I went through a very severe withdrawal, uh, including having uh, delirium tremors and visions and could have died up there in my dorm room because back in 1970, 1974, there really wasn't much help at that time. Um, and when you go through that process... It takes time to heal. There's mental, emotional struggles. There's anxiety. There's depression. I end up dropping out of school. Um, I thought, I better go in and get checked out. I go in to see the doctor because I want to know how much more time I have to live because I've got cancer. So I've been living for the devil for, you know, since the third grade up until about age 19. And I go in, I see the physician. The physician says, well, you don't, it's just a cyst. You don't have cancer what? <laughs> I'm like, I felt born again at that moment. But I had all these years of, of, of behaving in a certain way, thinking a certain way, acting a certain way. And uh, I ended up dropping out of school. Um, I lived on the street for a while, ended up in jail a couple of times, back and forth with the substance use here and there. But God was doing a work in my life. I stuck with those teachings I remember what Mr. Hitler told me, that if I continue in his word, I'm going to know the truth, and the truth's going to set me free. And God resurrected my life. Uh, he brought me to a place where he healed me. Got back into school. Got my education. Got a degree. Was actually on the dean's list by God's glory. Got back into wrestling and uh, took first place in the Wisconsin State University Conference Championships. And took... And to God be the glory. It has nothing to do with me. Nothing to do with me. It's his resurrection power. And took third in the nation. Uh, wrestled with athletes in action. And competed against the bronze medalist in Greco-Roman from Puerto Rico and defeated him. <laughs> However, stay humble. The same guy defeated me in freestyle. So, uh, 
So he resurrected my life. And uh, to give you an example of that, at the national tournament when I was wrestling, uh, I was losing. And it was six to three. It was only like 50 seconds left. I began to pray, Lord, I, I'll keep moving here. I'll keep doing what I can, but you're going to have to intervene. And the guy who was wrestling suddenly uh, just wilted. He gave up. He, he literally just went over on his back, and I pinned him with less than one minute left in the, on the clock. That match kept me in the tournament, allowed me to take third place at the national tournament. And again, it wasn't about my strength because I had three knee operations, a bad drug addiction, in, debt, you know, in and out of jails. But that's what God does when we trust in him. Amen. So. Well, thank you, Glenn. Wow. Amazing. Now, Krista Pierce has been part of this church at least for, I'm thinking it's closer to 18 years. Maybe she said 15, but uh, give or take a couple. Um, but she's a psychiatric, psychiatric nurse practitioner for the Veterans Administration. And so she has a, a great experience in that background. So why don't you just take a little bit and introduce yourself and testimony. I, uh, uh, yeah, I... Can you hear me? Okay, good. Um, yeah, I, um, I went back into nursing um, after going through a divorce. Actually, I, I was here at Refuge. Uh, my first degree was in psychology back in 1990, so I had an interest in mental health. Um, I guess I didn't like the way mentally ill people were being treated back in the 90s. Things have changed over time. Um, by the grace of God, I got my master's degree, and I am where I am. He had led me down this path. And a pastor has been here through this walk through me, and, and maybe some of the people here in the congregation have seen me go through this as well. Um, I got to know the Lord when I was living in Minneapolis. I was actually doing counseling for myself for uh, my marriage. I was fortunate to run into a um, Christian counselor who was not um, shy about um, sharing God's word with me. I was raised Catholic. So I knew about, you know, God, and I went to Catholic school. But I got to know the Lord that way. I came here to Wisconsin and found Good News Fellowship Church, which is now Refuge. And then what brought me here was we, they had a uh, guest speaker, Wellington Boone, who was just dynamic, and he's been here, and I would recommend coming to see him. <laughs> um, so that's kind of where I got where I am today. I think um, God had led me down this, this path. I have worked in, right now I'm doing inpatient at the Veterans um, Hospital in Toma. I also do um, psychiatric nurse practitioner at another hospital in Green Bay. I've worked in clinics, um, communities, um, so I've, since two th uh, 2012. So when we think about the mental health crisis in this nation, when you think about it, how do you think that the church can respond to that better? What are tools that you feel like from your perspective that we might be missing? Sure. Um, I think the church plays a role. It's a, um, I think a lot of people are seeking the church because it's a place where they can find the truth. Uh, we have connection uh, with one another. They can trust people here. Um, it's thought of as if there's good people here that um, they won't judge you. Um, so 
it's a stability place for some people. Their homes are not very stable, and um, just feeling God's love and mercy. I think one way that we can continue to help out is through the small groups that you offer. I know there's a lot of churches have, um, like, grief support and divorce care and um, programs for kids with, you know, alcoholic parents. And I think that those are all good, very good. I, um, as my professional, I think we, uh, you know, it serves a purpose, but also I want to um, encourage people that when things are in a severe um, case, that they really do need to seek professional help if you are suicidal or having um, severe mental breakdowns, that that is what professionals are for, but it serves a purpose as well. I follow this nursing model, and um, it was taught, taught me when I was a nurse. And part of this pie is the spiritual uh, piece. There's, you know, the occupational and exercise. And as, as a um, clinician, one of my questions is, um, what do you go to church? And I would say, you know, I work with adolescents, 9.5 times out of 10, the answer is no. My parents don't go to church. I don't go to church. And I think that is the slice of people's lives that are missing and then when I, we get that answer, and a lot of places have dropped that, answer, that question, nobody really seems to do much about it. You know, um, here's a church, uh, here's a group that you can be connected with. So that's one of the things that I think is important here is that the church can be a part of that whole wellness in people's lives. That's good. So, Glenn, you know, one of the things we, we had met previously and talked a little bit about this and... One of the things that was brought up is the incredible amount of shame that people walk in and then inability to forgive. Would you like to address that in a couple minutes? Great, great questions. And yes, those are so, so crucial, so crucial to be able to handle those in a way that God uh, can bring healing and hope. Uh, I would just uh, like to en encourage people to think about just letting God lead you through whatever the mental health or whatever the situation of the struggle or the hard time is. Uh, that would probably be the key, that in Christ, because in Genesis it says that after God created everything, he looked at it, and the Bible says that, behold, it was very good. Not just good, but very good. So there's a built-in value there. The Lord wants us to recognize that built-in value. Uh, unfortunately... Satan and mankind's sin corrupted that value. So we need a way to get that value back. The good news is, is that Christ countered that corruption. And I found out in my own life, and I know this from professionally and working with people and just ministering, because I've been in jail ministry as well uh, and missionary uh, opportunities, that... Uh, the scripture in 2 Corinthians 5.17, that if anyone be in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new, come new. Thank you, Lord. I'm a new creation. I'm not my sin anymore. Yes, I committed some things that weren't right. But the Bible said if I confess those sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me. And there's now, therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. There is no more shame. I can go to God without fear, without shame. 
24 hours a day, seven days a week through Christ. Complete confidentiality. That's good. Put my faith in a perfect Savior. His mercy and grace covers my personal weaknesses and mistakes. So, yes, I've done some things that were wrong, and I'm guilty. And I confess that. God lifts the guilt. Now, if we don't have that mechanism in place, and I'm guilty of something, i got no place to go, that guilt will turn into shame. It becomes, well, I did something wrong. Something's wrong with me. It's I made a mistake. I'm a mistake. Well, and that's where the devil wants to take us. But the Lord then empowers us. And uh, he empowers us with this word. Emmanuel power sets us free. That as we don't conform to those things, the negativity, we're not going to conform to that negativity, but we're being transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's good. I think so many people don't feel they have hope. I think so many people don't feel they have hope that their life is messed up, but realize that God will take your mess and make a message out of your life. Uh, he's an expert at, in fixing messes and, and correcting mistakes that we have made. I'll just say one more thing, too. That scripture in John three, sixteen and 17, for God so loved you, for God so loved me that he sent his only begotten son, that if we believe in him, we're not going to perish. That means these things aren't going to get the best of us, these things of the world's. We're not going to perish. That's good. And, you know, Krista, we had talked about being damaged goods, how people will come into your office and, and again, think there's no hope because they're damaged. You know, they've made these mistakes. They've done these things. And so why don't you share a little bit about the identity part of our identity, identity being in Christ and not the mistakes they made and I think we talked about that a lot of um, when I offer church or, you know, why don't you, you know, look into uh, being connected with um, a support group through a, uh, your church and uh, um, increasing that area in your life. A lot of people just feel like they're not good enough, that those are for good people. They're going to come in there and judge me, and I have a lot of shame of what I've done. Um, and I think what um, Glenn had said is, is confessing that and being forgiven and uh, moving on, and um, also forgiving other people that have traumatized you and hurt you in the past. And forgiveness is not necessarily means justice. It means being empathetic towards that perpetrator or yourself, forgiving myself for what I've done, and now moving forward. So did you want to, we had talked about sharing a story of somebody's life that you've seen transformed through um, help that you've been able to give and through that seal of God's word and giving them hope. Glenn, do you have a story you'd like to share briefly? Yes, I'll try to do my best. Uh, well, I, I did have a gentleman I was working with. I've got lots of stories. I just picked out one, and this particular person said it'd be okay to share it. I work with a lot of people, so I did share. If I shared personal information, that might be a problem uh, without permission. But this this man gave me permission. Uh, he was a veteran. He had lost his leg. Uh, he had come into the jail. Uh, he had a bad um, addiction, uh, not only alcohol but prescribed medication. Was also on a lot of other psychotropic medications, 
came into the jail, uh, had a history of, you know, different criminality problems, and uh, he was uh, hearing things and seeing things that weren't there. Uh, in fact, he said Mr. Trump was in his cell and he wanted to give him a tour. Uh, then uh, the cell was under attack. He, he needed a gun to defend himself and that there were bombs going off and things like this. Well, uh, this man needed some help, obviously. And I shared the good news with him in the midst of his psychosis, in the midst of his problem, and he listened, well, planted some seed. I heard later the deputy said that the mental health counselor was harassing him. He got some help through the hospital, through the nurses, through the good news that was planted in his heart, and he began to stabilize. He got to hold that scripture that for God so loved him that if he put his faith in him, he would not perish, have everlasting life, that Jesus came into the world not to condemn him, but to help him, and he grabbed a hold of that. He, um, we got, in, got him into some Bible studies there in the jail, continued to disciple him. You know, it's a, it's a community response, that's and that's what it's all about here at Refuge. This is a community response, working together as a team. And he uh, went to a Bible class, and he said he wanted to just audit it. So he was auditing it. It brought him to a point where he accepted Jesus as his Savior, and he just began to experience God's uh, grace and comfort and peace and healing. And this was his words to me. Uh, he said, this is how he explained his relationship with the Lord once he got saved. He is not up there to me. So to me, uh, let me see. He is not up there to me. I feel he is right here with me now. I'm comforted by that. And he began to share in his own living area. And there was one person there in the living area who uh, had a cough, and uh, he began to pray for that man because the cough was keeping him up. And uh, woke up the next day, and this man's cough had diminished. And he said, well, I, I prayed for you the other day. And he began to work with this other person and he invited him to the Bible study. And the gentleman said, well, uh, are you one of those uh, Bible beaters? And he paused, and he said, I guess I am. <laughs> so that's just a kind of a message, I think, about how as a disciples, we disciple other people, how the good news begins to flow. Good. Thank you. Esther, do you have a story you'd like to share? You know, there's been so many different um, stories. I can't really... I have maybe one that was sticks out of my mind recently. Um, when I was at the prison, I had um, talked to a couple of the inmates about um, getting connected spiritually that I felt like, uh, you know, the, the, the rough upbringings of so many prisoners that just really never had a chance and never really felt God's love and acceptance for who they are because of the things that they've been through. But they were uh, luckily to get a, get a, um, a, uh, affiliated with the chaplain and, and the spiritual services that are available. And as time would grow, I would see their spiritual um, self grow. And they still had their setbacks. Um, kind of was sharing one with yesterday where I had a prisoner who was doing so well. He wanted to um, learn ministry and start his own uh, ministry, you know, being a minister. And 
he got in a fight with someone, and I saw him in the hole, and I said, what happened? He said, well, I told this guy, was, you know, gave him a few words. And I said, why didn't you say, you're an angel of God, and <laughs> speak God's word instead of, you know, the other way. And that was another thing I wanted to bring up was um, at our lowest point is when Satan attacks us, and that is when he tempts us and says, oh, why don't you make yourself feel better? Go ahead and drink and or do another head of something or make yourself feel better, which is, or turn on that site on that computer. Um, but that's what Satan is telling you to do. And for us to learn God's word and use that as a weapon. And um, we also had talked about this, about when Jesus was tempted and suffered himself through the um, desert and how he was tempted to make bread out of the stones. And that was um, a temptation through um, Satan, and he used God's word to uh, fight that. And I think as long as we learn how to use God's word to fight temptation and to keep our mental health from going into that um, anxiety and the worrying and, and, and finding um, ourselves in a, in a depression is, is a good way of preventing us from getting to those lowest points. Yes, you know, and I think you had shared with us Deuteronomy 8.3, which reads, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And feeding on God's word is, is what we need for being whole and healthy. Uh, otherwise, we'll be anemic spiritually, and we won't be able to deal with anxiety. We won't be able to deal with those pressures of life that come. Right, and I think even just teaching someone who is in those desperate moments just one or two um, passages from the Bible to hold strength on, like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I think that was one verse that I used going through school. Um, getting through those dark times when I am tempted to go and go to the bar or whatever, you know, say something that's going to fight Satan back from those um, sinful times. Just to... Uh highlight that. Uh, when I was struggling with anxiety and depression, I began to learn uh, about 2 Timothy 1.7, that God does not give me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Yes. And when I start to say, well, God, thank you that you give me a spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind and meditate on that, it, change, it changes the heart. I, I call it positive self-talk with the batteries or the power cord included. It's God's word being released. Yes. Well, at, there's so much that we could really talk and so much more that could be shared, but our time is kind of uh, running out. Uh, I just want to thank you, Glenn and, and Krista, for sharing with us and knowing that these people are connected with this church. If you need to reach out to them, they can be a voice in your life as well. At the end of the service, uh, we're going to have the prayer team up here, and they'll be part of the prayer team too. Uh, Glenn, I don't know if I mentioned, uh, Glenn's wife, Karen, is on staff at Stevensburg Christian Academy. She's one of our amazing teachers sitting right there. So um, they're a wonderful couple, and we're so thankful for their role, their influence, and in how God is using them. Uh, so you want to share? Sure, and, and if... Like Pastor Matt said, you're sitting out here and 
you're struggling and you don't have people to turn to, it's so important to have community. Pastor Matt talked last week about isolation and when we're isolated, how the enemy in our mind just keeps going, doesn't it? it for some reason, that doesn't stop. <laughs> and so the importance of community and like Krista mentioned, small groups, but on our church website, go to the, the contact part and we will connect you with people that can help you. We'll connect you with a small group that'll be an encouraging group for you to be a part of. But even professionally, if you're somebody who feels like I, I just need a little extra, the thing that I love about this is that there are Christians that are out there in, in the mental health field that are there to not just give you the, um, as Bishop Boone calls it, psychobabble, <laughs> but also couple it with God's word. Because, you know, doctors and medical and all of that, like I believe that's a gift from God as well, but I also believe that God's word is what really sets us free. That's the truth, that one aha moment that we can be reading his word and, oh my goodness, that's for me. That's what God has for us. And so thank you for being here today and giving us a little like kind of icing on the cake. Like now we need the meat part of it, right? <laughs> because there's so much. But um, thank you for taking time. And At this time, I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. And um, as they come, I want to direct you to... Ephesians chapter 6, because one of the things when we had met with uh, Glenn and Krista, we talked about what we need to do as Christians so that we can be equipped for whatever challenge that we may face in this life. And Ephesians chapter 6 talks about the spiritual warfare element. And so often, you know, we can't blame everything on the devil, but yet we need to acknowledge and recognize that the devil is at work, that his mission, according to uh, John 10, 10, is to kill, to steal, and destroy. But Jesus' mission is that we might have life and have it more abundantly. But if in Ephesians chapter 6, if you want to turn there briefly with me, um, in verse 10, It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the, in the strength of his might. What I like about that is God doesn't call us to be strong in ourselves. He says, be strong in me. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. And he's mighty. He's strong. And so you can tap into that. In the greatest moment of your weakness, you can tap into God's might and strength. And as we sung this morning, calling on his name, and it is well, there's all these factors of what God is doing to reach us, to help us, to get us over and through whatever we're facing. It goes on to say, say verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. In other words, there's armor. There's something we put on. There's something that God's provided in the moment when we face a battle. And verse 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now that's a lot of stuff right there. And we could take a lot of time to break all that down. But I want to focus on the next few verses here in verse 13 where it talks about the armor. It says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, verse 14, having fastened on the belt of truth. I have a belt on this morning. It, it holds my pants up. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Um, I can clip things to it. But anyway, the belt is symbolic of that which covers the part of our life I'm not getting gross here, that reproduces and excretes waste. And so truth causes us to be fruitful and it purges us from things that need to get out of us, okay? And then it goes on to say the next piece. Okay. And having put on the breastplate, oh wait, did I skip something here? Stand firm, therefore, having the belt of truth. Okay. And then having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate is that part that covers your vital organs, your heart. And it's not just any breastplate. It's the breastplate of his righteousness, his right standing with God. What Jesus did for you to bring you into right relationship so you can be right with him. And that's our standing. We stand not in our own righteousness, but in his righteousness. And then it goes on to say, and having as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given for the gospel of peace. Shoes are what you wear, hopefully. Maybe you didn't come in with shoes this morning. But shoes are placed on our feet, and that represents the foundation that's under us, that we have a place of standing that we're sure-footed. We're not going to slip. We're not going to fall. But we have a stance in Christ. He provides us a foundation to stand on, okay? And then in verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. In other words, he's throwing things your way. Your faith, your shield of faith, is able to extinguish those things. And it's simply faith in what God said, faith in his promises, declaring his word when you're in a situation, when you're in a crisis. And then it goes on to say, verse 17, and take on the helmet of salvation. The helmet protects what? Your mind, your thought realm from the lie, from the deceit, from the deception of the enemy. So that helmet is representative of having your mind renewed to the truth of God's Word, okay? And then it goes on to say, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's what we fight with. All the other pieces of armor here are, are protective, but this one is our offensive weapon. We use the Word of God to build up our brothers and sisters in Christ, to build up broken people, and to tear down the enemy in his lies and his strongholds, okay? The sword of the Spirit is what we've been equipped with. In verse 17 or verse 18, 
we did have all this armor for verse 18 for prayer praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to the end keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints so we are positioned and postured for prayer as we fight this good fight of faith Isaiah 26 3 there's a promise we see in the scripture because the enemy attacks us with anxiety in our minds anxiety is a tool that causes us to worry to fear to be fretful and then we lose faith we lose trust we lose confidence and it says and this is God speaking or it's speaking about God you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusted you at this time I want to give an invitation and a call for you to trust God so that you can experience his peace his perfect peace his peace that brings stability that brings wholeness that brings health that brings healing into our lives and so this morning if you hear you say pastor I don't know that I have a meaningful relationship with Jesus I don't know that my life is right with God but yet you're in a place where you're ready to surrender and give yourself over to him to him and his lordship Jesus is appealing to us he's appealing to us to open our hearts to him to receive him as our Lord and Savior now most of us have probably made that decision at some point you heard the testimonies of Krista and Glenn and how they came to know the Lord but maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus I want to extend that invitation to you this morning I want you to bow your head and if you hear you say pastor I know that my life is not right with God but I'm ready to give my heart to him today I'm ready to surrender to him today if you had a place where you're willing to acknowledge that you're a sinner in need of a Savior that you're willing to turn your life over to Jesus then I want you to lift your hand and say pastor Matt would you pray with me would you pray for me so that I could receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior so that I could receive that peace that perfect peace are you ready to put your trust in him thank you I see that hand are there others this morning I don't want to miss anyone thank you you can put your hand down you can raise it okay I want everyone to stand and and the, the, for those of you that raised your hand I want you to pray this prayer after me and I want everybody to pray this prayer together and I call this prayer a believer's prayer and I believe this prayer can be a point in your life where you simply open your heart to Jesus and receive him so that he can begin to do a work in you a transforming work to bring forgiveness of sins to bring salvation to bring healing and to deal with all the mess and the mess ups in your life you know being a Christian doesn't mean you're perfect but it means that you have somebody that's perfecting that which concerns you he's fixing what's wrong and 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 dealing with everything to make your life what he's intended for it to be so pray this prayer after me Heavenly Father I come before you in the name of Jesus I acknowledge that I'm a sinner 
and I need a Savior. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead to give me life. Jesus, I put my trust in you today. Forgive me of my sins and make my life what you want it to be. Amen. This past week I woke up and these words came up in my spirit, in my mind. And it was simply the words, from this point forward, and you can fill in the blank, okay? From this point forward, I am a new creation in Christ. All things pass away. From this point forward, I'm dead to sin, but alive to God. From this point forward, Jesus is the strength of my life. You can take any promise, anything that God says concerning his people through his word, and you can add that from this point. Because from this point forward, there has to be change. You don't want to continue in the same path, the same journey that has led to destruction. From this point forward, your life is going to change for the better. Amen. Thank you so much for being so attentive to the word. We're going to worship God. We're going to clear the stage here. So, uh, and the prayer team will be up in just a moment. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.net.